Uh, Merry Christmas again. Let's get to the good stuff this morning. Luke 2. If you're, if you're with me this morning in your Bible, your paper Bible on your phone, Luke 2.10. Luke 2.10. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a story while you're turning there or flipping there on your phone, scrolling there on your phone. Um, uh, ages like 5 through 6, I think 4 through 6 actually, uh, my family uh, worked at a Christian camp. All right, so I don't know if you really know the environment of a Christian camp, but uh, I lived in a trailer. Uh, my father did not make a lot of money. Uh, the Christian camp was not rich, uh, of course, and my mother had not yet hit her stride as a nurse. Uh, and so we were quite poor. Again, we lived in a trailer, and Christmas was not that big. All right, uh, and, and one more piece of information that's important is camp food is horrible. All right, so I didn't grow up with like sweets and good food. Camp food, I don't know if you know about this about camp food, but like those eggs that you're like, are those really eggs? You go to a camp, you're like, is that, is that, are those actual eggs? No, they're not. They're like, they come in a bag, all right? And then they steam them up and then they just deal them out to you. You're like, wow, that's why it looks like curdled cheese. Uh, just, that's, that's the type of food I grew up with. So one Christmas, I got a bubblegum dispenser. It was like one of three gifts, and it was a bubblegum dispenser. And I was like, are you kidding me? This is amazing, right? Because it was sweets. I never got sweets. Uh, I didn't get too many gifts. And so a bubblegum bubblegum dispenser was amazing to me. And and what do you do with something that's like really important to you? You like, you cherish it, right? You treasure it. You you put it somewhere good. You lock it away. If you have an older sister, you make sure that she can't find it. And so that's exactly what I did with this bubblegum dispenser and this bubblegum. I, I still remember the pillowcase. It's one of my earliest memories. I had like those dinosaurs, you know, the colorful dinosaurs on the pillowcase. If you, if you were born in, in the early 80s, you know what I'm talking about. The dinosaurs were king at that time. And so I had the dinosaur pillowcase. I shoved all the gum into the dinosaur pillowcase and then I put the pillowcase in the corner tucked between the bed and the wall. And I would go in there, like I hit it, and I would go in there when nobody was watching, and I would just chew multiple pieces of gum, stare at the ceiling, and think of like the North Pole. Like that's what I did. That was my Christmas. It was amazing. But that's what you do with a gift, right? You, you take a gift, if it's, if it's really important, if it's really expensive or it's really valuable, you take it, you put it somewhere special, you hide it away, uh, you have a plan for the gift that's really important. And today we see that really two groups of people, two groups of people, you got Mary and you got the shepherds, they receive the most important gift of all time, right? We call it the good news. They're going to call it the good news in the scripture. It's the most important gift of all time. And they tell us what you do with the gift, and when you get the gift, or when you get a gift, or when you get something from God, or a promise from God, or an idea from God, or a word from God, they tell us what to do with this through this scripture. And so that's where we're at. We're in Luke 2.10. We'll give a little historical context. Uh, actually, Charlie Brown made this scripture famous for some reason. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news. That's important. Log that away. Good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. I bring you good news. There's our gift. There's our treasure. They're going to show us what to do with it today. The the word good news is is really related to the word that we say in evangelism. Even if you're brand new to the church, we use the, you've heard the term maybe TV evangelist. That doesn't drum up great feelings, but you've at least heard that, or, or evangelical, uh, or you've, if you've been in the church for a while, you've heard the term evangelism. That comes from the Greek phrase, euangelizo, the Greek word euangelizo, which means good news. Sounds like evangelism, right? Luke uses this word all the time. These, this word euangelizo, it means good news. He uses it all the time, all right? The angel has the good news. 
The good news is that the Savior is here. King of kings, Lord of lords, has come down. He's put on flesh. The Christ is here. The one they prophesied about for years and years and years. Hundreds of years, hundreds of prophecies. Micah 5, 2 tells you the exact place where he's going to be born. He's been born in that place, and the Savior is here. And now you can spend eternity with God. And not just eternity. And when I think eternity, of eternity, I think that's important because it's like it goes on past a place in our mind that we can even understand. But you can have all of God right now, right here, in this place. You can have all of God when you're alone. You can have all of God at the dinner table. You can have a, a deep relationship with God. Like, this is the good news. On top of that, it's for, verse 10, all people. All people. So for them, they're like, the Jewish people, they struggle with race because they've been oppressed. But what the angel is saying is the good news is for all people, meaning the, the Jews, the Greeks, and even the Romans. The Romans are highly oppressive, and they're like, what about the Romans? Like, they're listening to this, and they're like, did the angels really mean the Romans? Probably not the Romans. And for us today, if we want to make it contemporary, um, it is for uh, white, black, women, men, every shade, gay, straight, poor, rich, liberal, educated, non-educated, immigrant, wanderer, Republican, Democrat, and all the people that pick at the middle. This good news is for all. And it's to be delivered to all. More on the good news a little bit later. And this will be a sign to you. Here's how you confirm what I've said just now. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling claws and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was an angel, a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, like, like let, let's, just, let's just stop there for a second. Because the, the, angels, um, the, the angels find a squad, right? So, so there's one angel alone, and then he finds his squad. And, and, and it really looks like an army. Uh, and, and they start singing and praising God. And they start shouting and announcing. There's proclamation. Uh, and, and this is important because, like, you have to feel the emotion. I don't know if you guys watch American Idol or The Voice. I don't watch those shows, but I see the clips, right? And, and I'll be alone. And don't lie to, church, to, to the rest of the church. Don't lie to me. Like, I'll be, I'll be alone, and I'll just cry. I'm just watching this. The story, the backstory is, like, she had a hard upbringing. Her dad gave her this guitar. It's all that she had. And listen to that voice. And I'll just be there weeping by myself. Don't lie to me. Maybe you do the same thing, right? It's okay. Because story and song is powerful. The combination of story and song is powerful. So just imagine with me for a minute the greatest love story of all time. God loves the world so much he gave the greatest gift, his only son, to put on flesh, to live for us, heal us, die for us, resurrect from the dead so that we could spend eternity and now in hope, with life, with joy, in him. We, we, that's the greatest gift of all time. That's the love story that's posed here. And not only that, but the angel brings a squad to sing with power. I mean, this is powerful. It's emotional. There, there's hundreds of angels, maybe some of the same angels that will be there and revelation when Jesus squads up and comes in and wins the war for eternity and sets up a new heaven and a new earth. Maybe it's some of the same people, some, some of the same angels. Like, this is what's going on here. Feel the emotion. I clearly feel the emotion. And it's not just my sweater, okay? This is what they sing. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he's pleased. I won't sing it because I'll ruin it. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with, what? Haste. 
That's what you do with good news. You move with haste. My mom used to walk around the block. She never jogged. She walked around the block. She did the mom walk. You guys know about the mom walk? She had like little one-pounders. And she, this was her all through. It was really embarrassing. Throughout the neighborhood, my, my, my friends were like, what is your mom doing? Like, why are her arms swinging that big? But she did it. And she kept in shape. And she kept her heart in shape. Doing, she moved with haste. She was going to be in shape. I think about Mark Wahlberg when he's walking away from an explosion. I'm just trying to picture, like, haste. What does haste look like? You ever see Mark Wahlberg walk away from an explosion? It's haste. He's got swag. He's moving fast. It's powerful. I wish I was Mark Wahlberg. I'm I'm feeling it now. But that's haste, right? Or that moment when you're in the pass station, you still got your card, you haven't done the, you know, you haven't done that yet. You're three floors above it, and you hear, bing! You're like, oh, that's when you move with haste, right? Because you're like, I'm going to miss my train. And so you're moving, you're power walking. That's what I picture the shepherds doing here because they have good news. That's what you do with good news. You don't delay, you move with haste. Good news is announced. It's sung, it's proclaimed. When we receive it, when we really receive it, we can't wait to share it. Like, notice the angels, again, they have a choir. I don't know if they practiced on a Saturday or something, but they come, they know the words, they're singing together because it's the greatest birth announcement of all time and it's good news and that's what you do with good news. Like, we're doing all sorts of things when it comes to birth announcements now, right? All sorts of things. My friend put a video on the, on the, on the social media the other day. Uh, her husband had a wiffle ball bat. She had a wiffle ball. He whiffed like three times. <laughs> Right? It was an elusive wiffle ball. It was clearly not easy to hit. He whiffs three times, but when he finally connects on that all-elusive wiffle ball, it explodes in blue. It's like, oh, yay. Now, what do they do with that? They don't hide it. It's good news. They don't go slow. They immediately put that thing on Facebook so that everybody knows the announcement, right? They're creative. They, they proclaim. They're announcing. It's, it's beautiful. There's something good about it. My other friend, he, he did this thing where he had a motorcycle. It's like a, he just wants everybody to know he's got a motorcycle, all right? And then he revs up the tire, and the tire somehow spits out blue smoke. Like, we're all impressed by you, pal. And right, here comes the blue smoke, right? And that's the announcement, right? This is what you do with good news, You have haste, you have emotion, you have creativity, you proclaim, you announce, you get into it. There's a sense that you're proud of it. There's a a sense that you're not ashamed of it. There's a sense that when I daydream, I daydream in what? Not bad news, I daydream in good news. And so when the good news comes, I get excited. I want to share it. I want to do something with this good news. They're showing us what you do when you get this gift from God. Here's what we don't do with good news. We're not ashamed of good news. We don't hide it from our friends and family. Like, there's always this moment, right? And it's pretty awkward when we go to an extended family party or an extended friend party, and they, they ask about us, right? This, is the, this happens at every party. I, this is why I do not like these family parties. I sit in the corner, right? And I'm just like, please, no. Like, how are you? How are things? Like, do we really have to do this right now? And they want to know about you. I want to know about your job. How's your job going? And they usually give you an opportunity to be excited about who Jesus is. They usually give you some sort of an opportunity. And we tend to just talk about ourselves instead of talking about the good news. That's not what you do. You're not ashamed of good news. If you're dating somebody, you don't hide it from the person that you're dating because that's what you do with bad news, right? I'm a follower of Jesus. You don't, you don't hide that 
Because that, that would be bad news to you. If it's good news, you tell the person, yo, let me, let me just let you know from the giddy up. Uh, we're not doing any of that before marriage because I'm a follower of Jesus. I love Jesus. If you don't love Jesus, we can't really do this thing, okay? Because it's kind of everything that I am is a follower of Jesus. This is what you do with good news. If it's good news to you, this is what you do with good news. You don't delay when you have good news. You delay when you have bad news. I have bad news. I, I, I spent a day and a half thinking, how am I going to tell Anne this, right? When there's good news, she's the first person I call. <laughs> Babe, woo, we got something going on here, right? And, 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 I, and I go, in order of importance, I call her first, and then, you know, my mother, and then we just kind of go, in order of importance, no delay, just let me tell you what's going on in my life, because that's, that's what you do with good news. So let me ask you the question this morning. Um, is this good news to you? This is only a question that you can answer. Nobody else can answer for you. This happens in your mind, in your soul, at church, by yourself. Don't worry about everybody else in the room. Just answer this question. Is this good news to you? That Jesus was born to you, he lived for you, he died for you, that we celebrate God putting on flesh, clothing himself in humanity? Is this good news? And if it's good news, are you treating it like good news? Or does it have the smell and the characteristics of bad news? Now, I'm not saying I want you to roll up into Christmas dinner like Elf. You know, I'm in love. I don't, I don't care who knows it. It's Jesus. I'm not, I, I only, that's weird, right? I don't want you to do that. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying give everybody a, a Christmas card that has Christ in capital letters and MAS uh, in, in small letters to prove, you know, that you are a, a Jesus. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying go to the grocery store and when they say happy holidays, you look back and go, no, Merry Christmas. Like, I did it. I was proud of Jesus. You know, the bumper sticker that says put the Christ back in Christmas. I'm not, I'm not saying any of that, okay? I'm saying pray. Pray hard. Answer the question. If this is good news, do I treat it like good news? Am I proud of it? Am I excited to share it? Do I move with haste? Do I announce? Do I sing? That's why we sing on Sundays. I guess that, that's why I, I, try to, I try to give you a gentle nudge, like, it's okay to sing. <laughs> you don't got to sit there. Something we have heard on. Like, you can sing. We're announcing Christ. It's good. Is it good news? Do you act like it's good news? Do you feel like it's good news? Ask God. If not, if not ask God what's going on. Is there a lack of gratefulness in your heart? For Jesus. Also ask God to open some doors for you to walk into and announce Christ at the Christmas dinner table. Ask God to give you uh, neighbors, family members to pray for, to pray with, to offer hope in the middle of a hard holiday for many people. Ask God, is there somewhere where I can announce that this Christmas? All right, they move with haste. They move with announcement. That's what you do with good news. Next, and they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered what the shepherds had told them. But Mary, watch this, watch this. I love this. Me and Anne were doing devotions together and this is the first time we saw this. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Mary's good. You know what I leaned on when things got hard this year? I leaned on what most of us lean on, and that's what we have treasured up in our heart. What we have written on the tablet of our heart and soul. 
Um, I told you guys this, around September, and this is the last time I'll tell this story this year. Get it? Because there's only a week left. <laughs> um, we were struggling. Me and Ann were struggling. I was struggling as a human. I was having dark thoughts. Um, I was having d- d- depressed thoughts. Um, I was just kind of done. I was just angry. I was angry with God. I was angry just in general. I was just having a hard time as a human. And for me, I, I don't like to get up here and just be somebody I'm not. You know, get up here and smile, you know, do my hair up. You know, hmm, God is a blessing today. That's not how I felt. So I got up here and I, and I shared some things with you guys. And, and some of you appreciate that. Some of you don't. Like, if, if that's hard for you, let me, let me just a side note. It's not in your jurisdiction to pretend as a Christian. That's outside of your jurisdiction. To put on a mask, to be somebody you're not, that's not in your jurisdiction as a follower of Jesus. It's, all, it's also not in your jurisdiction to judge people. Like, why do Christians think that this is my jurisdiction? No, it's not. It's not your, that's God's jurisdiction. That's not yours. Your jurisdiction is to mind your own business, to love people, and to be Jesus to them. So, that's, this is not, so we, we, we tend to go outside of our jurisdiction for things. One of them is that we tend to put on a mask for people. And we become these professional Christians that look good all the time and are helpful to nobody who's going through anything. So I decided, that was a random sermon on the side. I decided I'm, I'm going to be who I am. And I got up here and I told you that we were going through it. Our one-year-old was so challenging. She was so cute in public. But she was so challenging, not in public. And we were tired. We were tired as humans. Our mind was tired. Our body was tired. The move was not easy on our family. The move was long and hard. And we moved to a city that was expensive and foreign to us. And we didn't really know how to settle in. We didn't know how to park. We got four parking tickets in the first like 40 minutes. And we were just angry. And we didn't really have community yet. Like we were trying to build community. But that takes a while. You don't just force friendship. It takes a while. And as we're building these friendships, people are moving. And we're like, we love those people. We finally found a relationship. And then they just leave and go to Arizona. What's even in Arizona? You know, they're just gone. So we're angry. You know, I'm dealing with issues of significance because I'm the pastor of a big church and now I'm the pastor of a small church. And that's weird. That's a weird significance issue. But I'm just going to be honest what goes on in my head, right? Because it's my significance issue. Anne was the, uh, the nurse manager of a really great pregnancy center. And she was good at it. And she speaks well in front of people and she had big responsibilities and she had a big network and she was killing it at that job. And now she's here and she loved loved being a stay-at-home mom, but there's just three little munchkins who need something from you all day and you don't get any adult time. That's hard. She's dealing with issues of significance as well. So we have to lean on something. It's a basic human principle. When you're going through something, you need to rest your legs somewhere. You need to sit down somewhere. And most of us, we sit down on the wrong things. We use sin to lean on. Addiction. We use things that are going to make our life worse. We, we lean on people. We lean on relationships that aren't necessarily healthy. And we lean too much on them instead of Jesus. Like there's all sorts of opportunities when you're struggling to lean. And so for the most part, I, I, I leaned on what God had said, what God had told me, 
and what he had done. Because it's all I had. You know, that's all you got. You just got to be real. That's, that's all you got. You can lean on the unhealthy things. Or you can lean on what God has promised. And if he's, and if he's not fulfilling it right then, you got to go, okay, he told me he's going to do this. So let me just lean here. So I leaned on some things, and I'll, and I'll use this phrase quite a bit. These are the things I'll never forget. You have to have things that you tell God personally. I will never forget that God. Okay? What are those things? I told God, I'll never forget when we moved here and we didn't know where to put our kids in school. And if you don't have multiple kids and if you don't know what that is like, you don't know what it's like moving to a new place with multiple kids, top three, how am I going to make money? Where am I going to live? Right? And then where are my kids going to go to school? Top three. We had no clue. There was this one school we really liked and it was thousands and thousands of dollars outside of our price range. So we figured, let's just take a shot. We called a lady. She's on the phone. She's like, tell me your story a little bit. Turns out she was born in the same hospital as my kids in a random city in Michigan. Muskegon, Michigan. Where is that? She was born same hospital. Her dad was a teacher, same school my kids went to. She was a missionary in the same denomination that I'm in. Come on. Come on. That, that, you can't make that stuff up. It's Muskegon, Michigan. You can't make it up. We leaned on that because we needed to. I will never forget that. I'll never forget, like, when we're praying about this place and we don't know what the answer is, my wife has a dream, and my wife never gets dreams, and if you don't believe in kind of prophetic dreams, the whole Christmas story, you know, rescues Jesus through his dad having prophetic dreams and protecting them. So read that. Um, She has this dream where I'm preaching with passion, as I do, and there is a Statue of Liberty in the sanctuary. So we don't, we haven't been here in years, so we look it up on Google. Like, where is the Statue of Liberty compared to where the church was? And they were basically on top of each other. And God chills, you ever got those before? Just went straight through our spine collectively together as, as a couple. We're like, okay, this is it. I'll never forget that. I'll never forget him putting us in an apartment that was perfect for our family that had a view of the Statue of Liberty. I'll never forget looking out here one Sunday while I was a little bit depressed and seeing that not only had the church grown significantly, but there were people that were just plowing this thing forward. There were the Terras and the, the, the Claras and the Ryans and the Shamoys and the Theos and the Glorias and, and, and they're just doing, like basically every waking moment that they don't, they don't have from work, they're just doing something for Jesus and for this church and for their neighborhood. And then, and then you got Hannah and she's putting her own children's ministry stuff together and she's bringing it and paying for it herself and making sure that happens on a Sunday morning. And then you got, you got, you got Pedro and Ann who just moved into the city because they believed on this mission. They're like two of the greatest people I know on the planet and they're just moving in here and just going for it and you have a leadership team that you just respect and you got people that are just, it's diverse and it's a joy and and, and they're brunching together and loving each other and doing community and holding the church like this is what I look out and and go I'll never forget that because I need that, right? Because life is like a boxing ring you will get smacked around period, it's not if it's when, it's not if you'll get hit it's when you'll get hit Are you going to remember your training? Are you going to remember what you have stored up in your heart, in your mind? What do you have treasured up? You got to remember it. 
You've got to have stuff that you proactively treasured up in your heart and in your mind. Let me ask you this. Is there something that you have told God? I'll never forget that. Is there something that you've journaled? Is there something that you proclaimed? Is there something that you've told your small group, your missional community? Is there something that you've told uh, people who don't know Jesus? This is what this is about. What, do you, what, what have you decided to chisel into the tablet of your heart? Um, if you don't have anything, you won't have anything to work with. Mary decides, I believe what God has said to me. I believe what God has done, and so I'm going to store this up. I want to show you the Greek word for what she, what she means by treasure up. The Greek word is uh, centerio, and it's to preserve a thing. This is what treasured means to preserve a thing from perishing or being lost. And she, so she shoves it in her dinosaur, her, her dinosaur pillowcase, and she hides it where nobody can touch it. She says, this is mine. I've treasured up this thing. I've, I, I'm, I'm keeping this thing. It will never die. You can talk about me. You can talk behind my back. You can tell me things. You can verbally abuse me. But you cannot take what God has done and what God has said from me because I put it in a protected place. In Proverbs, we get a father telling a son, my son, keep my words and treasure up. That, that word means hide away. My commandments with you. Keep my commandments and live. Keep my teaching as an apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers Write them on the tablet of your heart. God is asking you to take the things that he's done and said and proactively put them somewhere where nobody or no thing or no experience or no circumstance can touch it. Have you done that? Again, why do you need to do this? Because suffering will come. Watch Mary. 33 years old her son is. That's it. And he's her favorite son. I know you're not supposed to have favorites, but James didn't turn water into wine. Hmm? Go ahead, James. Try that out. James is like, I don't even have a chance. Jesus is the favorite. 33 years old. But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. She has to watch her son be tortured, be killed on the cross. And I know that's not a very Christmassy message. You're like, wow, that got dark quick. That's the reality. That's the reality. She watched her own son crucified. Now, the Jewish people had an amazing lamenting process. So she wasn't alone. But at some point, she goes home, and she lays on her bed, and she closes her eyes, and she's just there in the darkness after Jesus, after Jesus died in the, in the bed of suffering. That's where she's at. What does she lean on? My hypothesis, or my educated guess, is that she pulls out what was treasured in her heart in that moment. What God had told her about her son, the fact that the shepherds, three shepherds, got the same message, got the same prophetic message, uh, that, that the angels announced this, and they brought that information to Mary. My, my inkling is that when she laid on that bed of suffering, the only thing she had to turn to is what she had treasured up in her heart. Mary treasured these things up in her heart. And she pondered them. That's what she did. What do you have? What do you have written on the tablet of your heart? I'm not going to give you a new gift today. I'm going to tell you how to keep the old gift deep in your soul. And not just the gift of the gospel, um, but the gifts that God gives you. 
that God does for you. We're going to get super practical. If you're a note taker, now's the time to take notes because I'm going to give you some things to do even this Christmas. Like Do these things this Christmas to, to help you treasure up who God is and what he's done. And again, it's going to get super practical. So hopefully this is really helpful for you. Tom, can you go to the first one? First one is start godly traditions. Start godly traditions. I'm, I'm going to give you a few of my godly traditions that my family has started over the years. Uh, one of them is that we, uh, we, we take a stocking, and every year my, my family and, and a little bit of my extended family writes down what we want God to do in the next year. Okay, This is a practice. Something very specific. Seven specific things we want God to do. Some of it's monetary, but most of it's not monetary. God cares about your monetary needs, absolutely, so we put some monetary things out. Most of it is what we want God to do in our marriage, in our hearts, in our minds, in our parenthood, uh, what we want God to do in our jobs, in our mission. This is what we write down. God, can you do this? God, we're asking you to do this. We get very specific, and then we pull them out the next year, out of the stocking, and there's a lot of tears. Right, because God always does. And we have it on paper. And we remember together, and we reflect together, and we cry together, and we tear up together, and we say, look, look at who God is. Look at God. Look at what God does. And then we put new ones in for the next year, right? That's what we do. You can take that. You can steal that. Or you can create your own. Here's another one my wife and I do. Uh, for, for probably, we've had 10 Christmases together, I think. Um, and, and maybe eight of those Christmases, we haven't got anything for each other other than um, an ornament. And the ornament is supposed to have lots of meaning of what God has done, what he said, what he did this year, um, what we expect him to do next year. Um, so I'll give you my, my ornament from last year. Uh, this is the Statue of Liberty, right? And it says Joshua 4, 1 through 7. If you don't know that story, really quickly, the story of Joshua 4, 1 through 7 is God brings his people through uh, the water on dry land, and he wants them to remember. And so he makes them put down 12 stones. So if you remember my story, um, we actually have a very large stone in the water from the French that we can see all the time, the Statue of Liberty. This is what God said he's going to do. This is what he's done. He's doing this. He brought us here. Uh, and so this is a reminder that I gave to Anne last year to say, look, God has this. As hard as it is, God has this. Right? I think that's pretty good. That's, actually, that's awesome. Okay? <laughs> Not going to lie. It was pretty good. All right? Maybe you like that one. Maybe, maybe you like something different. That, just choose. Just get together as a family. Pray about it. What, what are you going to do as a family? Another one is we, we pray as a family, and we, um, we read the Christmas story to align our hearts before we open gifts, we don't put the gifts in front of our kids yet because that whoop, they're gone, all right? Before we, we let them know that they're going to have open gifts, we say, let's read the Christmas story together. Uh, let's pray together. Let's talk about who God is. Let's align our hearts. Uh, you're welcome to do that too with your family. Start, start godly traditions. Don't just start them for Christmas. Start them all year. And all these godly traditions should have an element of let's look at what God has done as a family or a couple or as a friendship, do this as friends. If you're single and you have friends, do this with your friends. Let them know what they mean to you. Do it every year through Christ. All right? Number two, reflect and project. I don't know why pastors think they need to rhyme everything, but just roll with me. Reflect and project. Um, we, we have lost our reflection ability as a culture. <laughs> We're probably the least reflecting generation ever. The other day, my wife and I were on a date. My wife had to go somewhere for like 30 seconds. And I picked up my phone, and I started scrolling. I just felt God, like, I don't know if he said this, but, bro, it's 30 seconds. 
Can you reflect on your day? It's probably not God. Probably, probably me just convicting myself, right? But uh, can, can you reflect on your day a little bit? Can you reflect on this date that you're having with your wife? Can you reflect on what God did today? We're, we're the least reflective generation. Write it down. Journal. Some of you guys are painters. Paint. Some of you guys are writers. Some of you spoken word people. Write, write some spoken. Just reflect on what God has done. Sit alone in a dark room, in a quiet room. Reflect on what God did that day. Reflect. And then project. Tell somebody about what God has done. How many of you have learned a language before? Go ahead, raise your hand if you try to learn a different language. Yeah. I took eight years of Spanish. You know what I know? What I order. Maduros. Right? Arroz con pollo. I'm killing it. Like, that's all I got. Why? Because I'm not around people where I'm using that language consistently. If you don't speak it, it doesn't lodge itself onto the tablet of your heart. You understand? You have to speak it. God does something, use the language. Speak it. Tell somebody. Tell a small group. Tell a friend. Tell a non-Christian. Tell your mom. Tell somebody. Get on the phone. Make sure you speak it. Because when you speak it, just like any good language, it gets into your heart. The language of God gets into your heart. Reflect and project. I do love rhyming. I'm like, I'm like uh, Dr. Seuss. All right, uh, number three, last one, last one, seize control. Seize control. Do you know that the Bible tells you that this is, like your mind is under your control? It says whatever is good, whatever is holy, and it goes on listing off a bunch of things, and it says think about these things, meaning you have the power to think about these things. It's your choice. It's your mind. All the time, my son comes to me, Dad, Annabelle said this, so I did it. I said, son, you got your own, your own brain. It's yours. Annabelle doesn't have your brain. You have your brain. He always looks at me like, eh. <laughs> like it's your brain, son. It's the same principle. It's your brain. God gave you control over your brain, and with the power of the Holy Spirit, you can think about the things that you want to think about. You can reflect on. You can, you can allow the things in your mind. You can go deep into the things you're, that, that you want. And you can also help that. Like the music that you listen to, the movies that you watch, those are direct doors to your heart. So if you want to remember those things, the things you scroll through on Insta, the things you scroll, like these, these things go straight in through that window into your heart. You control what goes into your heart. Seize control. Um, that's, that's my gift to you this Christmas, is the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the best news of all time. In a world with minute-to-minute bad news, huh, we, have the, we have the greatest news of all time. And it's our, and it's our choice if we're going to remember it, project it, give it out to people, announce it, go with haste. Let's stand up. Let's pray. Worship team. Worship squad. God, we are deeply in love with you. We celebrate Christmas with joy. We celebrate Christmas with pain. We celebrate Christmas with loneliness. But your presence is in it all, and you're with us in it all. And we pray that as we, as we struggle, as we strive, as we meet, as we hang, God, that we can remember you.
and we can write on the tablet of our heart the things that you want us to write on the tablet of our heart. We want to treasure up these things like Mary. God, thank you for this family. Thank you that we have a church family to worship with. I pray for those that are new this morning. I pray that uh, you would speak to their heart and that they would uh, feel the comfort to join this family, to worship with this family, to be a part of this family. We love you, Jesus, and we worship you in your name. Amen.